The response in like more mainstream Christianity is just, oh great, we can serve you. So rather than being a partner in ministry, I was always a project. It was like, I keep trying to do what I'm supposed to do. And I feel like I'm just beating my head against a wall. Like I'm finally figuring out who I am as a person. And why does the prize for me figuring out who I am as a person have to be all of my friendships? This is the airing of grief. Conversations and correspondence about spiritual de and reconstruction. Season 2, Episode 16 Liminal Space. I've been listening to the whole first season of The Airing of Grief, formulating what I might put into a letter or a phone call. I was working on a way to describe how I'm in a period of my life where, as I've told some friends, I'm more sure of God these days and less sure of his people. The timing of the first season of The Airing of Grief came at a point in my life when I felt I was grieving so many things. Like I was sort of living in a stage of grief and loss, though not within the context of traditional grief. Some of that grief was connected to being disillusioned by the church and a feeling of being disconnected from and overlooked by Christian friends. So I'm coming to you now in the midst of what people usually think of when they hear the word grief, mourning a death. My mom died unexpectedly last week. She went into the hospital after falling in her house and she never came home. She was alive last Monday and gone by last Wednesday night. I recently posted on social media that never in my life have I had a heart so broken yet so full at the same time. The loss of her has devastated my kids, me, my siblings, my mom's friends. As my sister has said this week, my mom's reach was wide. But in the midst of this heartbreak, I have been showered with love. Some people sprang into action immediately. Meals started arriving at our house. People were calling and texting, taking over my carpool duties, offering all sorts of help. You notice I said some people. Those people, with the exception of a few, were not my Christian friends, not the people with whom I go to church. These were primarily friends from the neighborhood, the mom friends I met when my now 15-year-old was in preschool, the people who live a few streets over from me. They texted, we are your tribe and want to do and be what and where you need us. I cried when I read it. 
these people, these non-followers of Jesus, showed up in every sense of the word, literally and figuratively. A best friend of mine from high school traveled hours just to attend the funeral and turn around and leave again. Neighbors whom I don't even see on a regular basis came to the funeral, drove 90 minutes round trip to the burial site and back again to have dinner with me and my family at my mom's church. But you know who didn't have a significant presence at my mom's funeral? People from my church, the members of my community group. As I said, there were a few exceptions. My pastor called and texted several times when my mom was in the hospital. He came to the funeral. He truly offered support and care. But the day of the funeral, exactly four people from my church showed up, and every one of them was a staff member. To be fair, one of these people is a close friend and would have come anyway, but it's still hard to realize the representation of my congregation was all people on the church's payroll or with an official title. My husband and I were part of the original group of people who planted this church. So we're not unknown newcomers, but I find myself feeling invisible and insignificant. There's a Facebook group page for the women of my church. It is always busy with the women organizing meals for the new moms coming home from the hospital with a baby. Aren't birth and death life's big events? If so, where were these women, my church family, when my mom died last week? I told my husband the harsh truth is that maybe we're simply the wrong demographic. This young, vibrant church full of families with young children seems to have forgotten about those of us in other seasons of life. What about those of us who aren't going into the hospital and coming out with a new life, but taking someone into the hospital and coming out without that person? Is this what the modern church has come to? That a person's church community is so skewed in a particular direction, the hipster church, the traditional church, the elderly church, that there's no cross-culturalism? If so, that means every church will always be overlooking someone who's outside the demographic. Thank God for my neighborhood tribe. Hello. Hey, this is... Yes, I am so sorry. I oh, that's no technology. problem. <laughs> no, I, it's it's miraculous that any of this is even possible. <laughs> that is that is true. I yeah. So it's, no, it's no problem at all. Thanks so much for for bearing with us and for making some time to chat today. No, thank you so much. I I appreciate it. I've been a fan a very long time, so oh, uh, it's pretty cool actually. Yeah. Um, well, gosh, I'm just anxious to hear some of your story. Well, um, I was born, uh, basically born in church. I guess my mom, uh, became a Christian when I was five or so. So that's when we really, uh, dove in head, head first. So Hmm. Southern Baptist. So Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Anytime the doors were open, we were there. And overall it was actually a relatively positive experience. Hmm. Um, and growing up, there was this sort of um, tension between my uh, disability and religion. So for some context, I am blind mm-hmm. um, and a woman 
uh, and bisexual. So I've got like 12,000 sort of <laughs> intersections <laughs> happening. Um, so sorting all that out right. growing up in, in Southern Baptist land was, um, wow. an adventure, was an adventure. Um, so youth group particularly was really tough. Uh, people don't often, especially in church, I find know what to do with a person with a disability. Mm. So it's one of a few responses. It's either, um, I spent a brief amount of time in the Pentecostal church. So the response in that situation is usually, uh, God can heal you if you Mm. have enough faith which I was always like, that's silly, because I'm perfectly fine the way I am. <laughs> so, you know, why do I need to be fixed if I'm fine? Um, or uh, the response in, like, more mainstream Christianity is just, oh, great, we can serve you. So mm. rather than being a partner in ministry, I was always a project. Ugh, right. So that doesn't feel very good. No. Um, and... So through um, high school and college, there was always this really stark tension between what I wanted was I really wanted a relationship with Christ. Like I really wanted to be right in that way. Yes. Uh, (laughs) And like I never doubted, I never doubted that any of it was true. Hmm. That never it never occurred to me to question that, I guess. Like, right. I, I feel like I was relatively well-informed and well-read. And um, so after a lot of back and forth, a lot of dramatic in and outs of mm-hmm. church, so I would, I would like, the cycle was always like this. It was always... Um, dive head first into religion except with my theater and music friends like I'd be a completely different person mm-hmm. so it was this, these separate people because I thought in church I'm supposed to be this way and then with my other friends I can swear or drink or whatever mm, right. <laughs> that's, that's fine you know um, so it would always be a cycle of do dive in head first and maybe if I if I do it right this time then I won't cycle back to these terrible life choices um, hmm. and which ones were the terrible you know, life choices you thought you were making was it what you were doing well, spending time with your with your non-church friends that kind of deal right well I was okay with that because Jesus hung out with sinful people that's what I said so yes. like that was <laughs> you know um, and in that way I think I I was always a little bit different, which is why a lot of your particularly solo music, I really resonated with a lot in college and stuff because Mm. he gets it. Mm. (laughs) Like you don't have to be hanging out in church all the time and you don't have to be Mm -hmm. a Republican or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like you can be these different things and still like Jesus, like that's cool. Yeah. Um, But I, I would, I would, um, go through these self-destructive sort of cycles where I wouldn't feel like I was good enough and I would get depressed and then I would drink a lot yeah. and um, like self-harm yeah. or uh, sleep with somebody usually mm-hmm. and then feel really guilty and like, okay, I need to go back. I had like a lot of conversion experiences. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so did I. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them. Um, and I, 
finally somehow ended up a few years ago um, at a Southern Baptist seminary, um, which is hilarious now when I think about it. But through the progression of things, um, I had ended up in a relatively less conservative church in the um and so I had felt sort of empowered there as a woman. Mm. Um, I hadn't acknowledged to myself yet at all that I was bisexual. So that wasn't like a thing that I had to contend with. Mm. Um, so, and they were really accepting of the blindness piece for the most part, aside from the normal stuff I have to deal with all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, it was it, it was pretty easy to be involved and participate. And so even throughout all the chaos and stuff that I was pretty good at creating at times in my life, like the church was always that backdrop for me mm-hmm. and always that safe place to land. Hmm. And um, so when I ended up at a, an extremely conservative Southern Baptist seminary, even one of my pastors was like, they're really conservative. Are you sure you want to go there? And I'm like, they have a great church music program. Like, yes, I want to go there. Hmm. Um, and I visited and they said that they have, they have women in their program. It'll be fine. Um, and I get there <laughs> and I know you chuckle cause it's funny. No, I'm just, I'm just kind of <laughs> waiting for the punchline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I get there and I slowly realized that all of the leadership opportunities go to men. All of the internships go to men. But nobody will be straight with me as to why. Mm-hmm. And this really bothered me. And it's really hard sometimes. I was at a, um, a really a pretty big church, and I, and I wanted to get experience doing choral conducting. And that was one of the things I had to do as a part of this class and one of my professors was actually the choir director at this church and so I was like this will be great I'll you know it's built in like we can work on it he kept promising me I'd get to do a piece I get to do a piece I get to do a piece and then I never got to and it's really tough in a lot of those situations sometimes to know what it if it's the blindness or if it's that I'm a woman what it is like I and it's always, or if it's maybe none of those, maybe they just don't like me. Like maybe I'm just an asshole and like no one will tell me, and, you know, <laughs> and so it, that's sometimes the very tricky part. Like maybe it's none of those things, but right. yeah, I remember sitting down um, with one of them and saying, you know what? I wish that you would just tell me that this is not the right field for me. I wish that you hmm. would just tell me that you don't think God is really telling me that I need, that I'm supposed to do this. Um, no. at least hear that as someone's opinion. I mean, whether that's true or not, but yeah. Right. It's not true, but like, at least be f- upfront with me. Don't do this bizarre tango right. where you say on one side of your mouth that it's fine. And then they are the other side that it's not. Um, and then I also, so as as that time at seminary became progressively more frustrating and sort of demoralizing, like I got really depressed. Mm. Um, it was like, I keep trying to do what I'm supposed to do. And I feel like I'm just beating my head against a wall. Like I, I want to believe these things about women that they're telling me, because if that's what the Bible says, then that must be true, you know? Mm-hmm. And I had a very 
strong belief in inerrancy. So I'm like, if that's what they say it says, even if even if they're flawed men and they have right, you know, about their privilege, they're blissfully unaware about some of these things, like, I want to believe them. Like, I want to believe that they're right. But I, I struggled so much with that. And I struggled, began to struggle. Um, one of my friends, one of my dearest friends uh, is trans and started uh, living as a woman. And like, everyone was like, that's so sad. And I'm like, but she's not sad. Like, right. yes. She's happy, you know, and so square. It's like what you were the- saying before. It's like, I, why, why do you talk about the faith required for my healing? What do I have to be healed of? Like, I'm, exactly. I'm happy this, I'm fine. I'm not, I'm a blind person. I'm not a broken sighted person. Like, that's God. Oh, that's exactly right, Ben. But the other thing is, it also sounds to me that all of that, and I don't, and I'm, I want to get right back into your story, but all of that to me also sounds like kind of classic fear-based consumerism, which is like, if we can just persuade you that there's this thing that's not ideal, that could be better, that that should really be different, like. If your breath was better, you'd get more dates. Or if you had this cooler right. car, you'd be happier. Or if it, and so they create the need for the exact product that they have to sell you. Yes. And and it seems like there's a lot of that going on in the church as a as a means of manipulating behaviors, or even just as a means of justifying the worldview. It's like that's why the you know if you got one shot with somebody, it's like you drop them the four spiritual laws because it's like well that's gonna at least leave them with this you're on the wrong side of a chasm and you're not, and like God wants to make your life better, but you're, but you know, this thing has happened without your knowledge that has actually caused you to be out of sync with your best life or something. And now that we've sold you that idea, surprise, we actually have a solution for you also. Um, and right. It, that, once we convince you that you're completely depraved and you have no hope, have this, we have it. Yeah. Oh, we just happen to also have the solution. I mean, it's like, but, um, so it's kind of like, that's the only way the logic works. Because otherwise, if you just come in with the solution, then somebody would say exactly what you said, which is intuitive and which is correct, which is, I don't totally understand what it is that you are healing me of or saving me from or rescuing me from. And like your, like your friend, um, like your transgender friend, it's like, I don't like, in what way do you believe you're improving her life? Because she seems very happy, <laughs> and she right. seems very like sorted out. Like she's she's finally yeah, happy. Finally happy. Yeah, that's right. And okay. So anyway, so yeah. So keep going. You suddenly have some solution, and so I uh, was married at the time, and then had this sort of epiphany with a friend on a trip that like the relationship as it functioned at the time was pretty emotionally abusive, which made sense considering my growing up and stuff. So Hmm. it was just my pattern, like make everybody else happy. Like make everyone else happy and manipulate my emotions and what I do and my behavior and everything that I say to please everybody around me, then everything will be fine. There Hmm. will be peace in the land. Um, unfortunately I, I didn't handle that well and I made some choices that I regret, but what happened was the unraveling of my life very rapidly. Mm. (laughs) And once 
people in the church community, we had decided to move away from where the seminary was to somewhere else. But a friend ended up telling my husband. And once that happened, nobody spoke to me. Everybody wrote, wrote both of us off, actually, my mm-hmm. husband too, um, which I, I sort of feel bad and sometimes that he lost a lot of his community because of me. But it's suddenly a, my best friend of 11 years no longer speaks to me. Um, like she doesn't talk to me anymore. Most of the people, I look at pictures of my wedding. Most of the people that were with me in my wedding don't talk to me. Hmm. And I just look at that and go, is that what God would want? Right. No. I mean, if, if God is who you say he is, Mm-hmm. Then that's not how he would treat me. That's right. You know? And so, therefore, you are being a ter- you are a terrible advertisement for him right now, in the I way know. that you're responding to this. Yeah. If God is there, if he's if he's who you say he is, then the way that you're treating me, under whatever circumstances, like that's the irrelevant part. In the the way you're treating me is inconsistent with and a bad advertisement for him, and what yeah. you what you say that his character is. Um. And so it's really confusing and it's really like hard and disappointing. And it's, and it's like a thing that I feel like comes up pretty often in conversations I have with people, which is that like people love talking about church. People love talking about community and doing life together and all this stuff. And they love it. And the, and it's like, they're in this constant practice stage, but then when it really comes time and something really, cause it's like, it doesn't really matter it when until it until it it's hard and until it until it does matter and it's like and that's usually when hard things unexpected things happen and interesting how that always seems to be when because of the like moral implications on themselves that's when christians tend to back up and back out and depart and detach and that's the like basically all the rest of this has been the test run. Right now, when you're leaving, this is actually the first run at community that you've been talking about. This is our first at bat with that. And and so it makes no sense. It's like it's like a lot of things I feel like in the church where where Christian folks love the idea of vulnerability and transparency and the confessing of sin and radical, you know, um, you know, kind of talk about that sort of thing in community and all that stuff they love you know the ideas um they just don't think want anyone to really do it because that terrifies people Like if you come and you're in this state mm-hmm. of repentance and you're willing to do whatever they want you do to do right. to, to change. But it's like, what if I don't feel like I need to change? Right. What if like I'm finally figuring out who I am as a person and why does the price for me figuring out who I am as a person have to be all of my friendships? 
right. and everything I've invested all like my life in, right. my identity in, why does me figuring that out have to mean I lose all of that? That feels unfair to me. It, it does feel unfair. And it also <laughs> feels very much like um, relationships with criteria, relationships with condition, you know, and like love with condition, which is, well, we'll hang out with you. You can stay, but you have to be repentant or you have to be repentant in these particular terms and use the words that were, and we need to really hear it fully. And then, okay, cool. We'll kind of inch back towards you or you're, and you can stick around. But, and that isn't any kind of love. Like no. love with condition is really not any kind of love. Um, and uh, at least not in practice and not the way that it feels. And I'm not saying, because I can hear the voices in my own head of saying, well, that's not to say love to the, you know, uh, loving someone in a, in a way that wants the best for them and that is trying to seek out their good. And yes, right. But to say in order for us to continue this conversation, here are some conditions that you have to meet in order to come to my, come to me and come on my terms. Um, and if you're not willing to do that, then we just don't continue the conversation. And that, that doesn't sound like any kind of love to me, you know? And how do you, how do you get over that though? Like how at 30, how the fuck at 32 am I supposed to start over? Right. Like that's where I'm at right now. Like, I don't know what to do. Like I, right. I've sort of reached the point where I've accepted that these people are not my friends anymore. Mm. And like, I, and I struggle with thinking of, well, there went 11 years of my life or whatever, right. Right. you know? Yeah. Well, um, and it's, it's interesting. I mean, I can literally hear myself like getting kind of, you know, I'll carefully use the words righteously indignant on your behalf. <laughs> and that's why I feel like I'm, I'm like getting like, you know, I'm probably sounding a little harsh, mean towards those, that, that, that style of Christianity or that. It's just that style of behavior, and it's frustrating to me, and it and it it just it just it's disappointing, and I can hear how the effect that it's had, and so it it frustrates me, and I obviously know the feeling well, and so yeah. it just kind of triggers that that those emotions, but um, and so I don't mean to paint with such a broad brush, but I can tell you that what I you know the the way that I feel like I rationalized that in my story because I you know went through a ninety eight and a half percent friend turnover, you know, when I went through my divorce and when I mm -hmm. was like kind of detaching from the church and some of those things. And there's a lot of those thoughts of like, oh, well, there goes, that was a lot of wasted time. And that was a lot of wasted inve yeah. emotional investment. And that was a lot. That's true. It does feel that way. But a few things, and, I, and these are things, you know, but I'm going to say them anyway. And that, and, and one is, um, what you do is, um, well, one thing is you realize that maybe better to know that the relationships that you had, at least for now, as they appear, um, and these could all change and people come back and, and they and, and amends can be made, but it turns out maybe you think about using a different term for those folks because friends, in my opinion, real good, true friends, um, challenging as it may be sometimes, uh, to be in relationships with people, and that m moves both directions, um, don't bail. And so maybe you 
haven't really found your your people and your friends yet um yeah. because apparently that's not who those people were i mean it's it, it proves out like the 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 fruit uh proves the tree does it not and so you know like so for me the friends that i have now who i've made on the other side of some of this i have a very strong sense that these folks are going nowhere and mostly because because of the time that they met me and because the spark of our friendship was in the midst of such hard things and that were among the first things that they learned about me. And if they're, if they could go with me through that, then I can't imagine there's anything that's going to pose any challenge to our relationship from here forward. So it's like, if those people were left for whatever reasons they did, that means they, that means there were conditions under which they were going to leave. So you know what? They couldn't really hold the weight of your emotional investment and trust and affection. So good to know. Um, which, yeah. mean, which means it was gonna, like, there was a hole in the boat, like, it, and it was already there, and it was bound to sink. So better to be aware of that and get into a better boat with folks who aren't gonna jump. And uh, and I'm not saying that you or I or anyone, I'll, I'll just keep it personal, but like, for me, like, I'm not saying that I made it easy or that I make it easy, that I, even today, that I make it easy for my friends sometimes to stick with me. I, I don't. And neither do they sometimes, but we're committed and we stick through it together. And for people who are going to leave, um, if there if there if there's a condition under which they will leave at a certain low threshold, that means it wouldn't have mattered what it was that they they weren't going to stick around. And so better to go ahead and know that, and let's find some folks who will, and let's find our friends, um, and get into some relationships that are going to last. And um, you know that sort of thing. I mean, so that—that's really. I have wound up over the over time, and on the other side of some reconstruction, even just personally, being really grateful. I'm like, man, I'm so grateful that I know now, and I'm so grateful that like I, I'm not in relationships with some of those people anymore. Because if I was, it would just be a matter of time of something that's going to happen. That's going to be the thing, the straw that broke that particular camel's back, and and then it just would have been that much longer. I'd rather just go ahead and start committing to and investing into people who are really I think gonna gonna stick around and so you know every so often you go through things that test it and um, it's like an audit and uh, it's and it's you know it, it's hard but it's good to know and you you wind up being better for it I mean your life winds up being better for it and I mean not in the short term but in the long term certainly <laughs> So I hope so. Do you I feel that way at all? I mean, I mean, have you have you have you reconstructed in terms of your 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 community at all? Have you found some um, new people that feel different fundamentally to you? I mean, it's sort of tricky because in any in some ways, yes. So I got I've gotten pretty into like improv comedy. Oh my god, that's and, amazing! Yeah, so it's super fun, and I never thought like my dad sort of laughed. He's like, out of all my children, I never thought you would be the one to go, go into that. Amazing. Um, and I've started, like, running and stuff. So, um, like, I've, I've found new friends, like a, a new friend circle. But I, I'm the kind of person that, like, really enjoys, like, deep relationships. And that just takes time. And I'm not patient. It's, mm. I feel like I feel like I already put all the time into that shit. Like, I know. I, and I have to do it all again. I got lost in the swelling crowd, and I could not afford to eat.
to go through it's hard enough to go through it without your community and without the people it'd be like i mean it's it's like a it's like a bad insurance deal it's like i've been putting i've been trusting the idea of this being there for me all this time and investing into it and now that i actually have a crisis or have a trauma or have something i need that i need to lean over here it's like finding out that the policy was shit was or or was bad or corrupt or or not real and suddenly like well why have i you know like of all moments like why does that have to be the first thing i learn in a moment of real need and crisis, crisis that's right and it's, <laughs> god it's really hard and trying and then when i when i think about it when i really think about it i'm like well you know i i always loved god more than i did the church I, I loved some of the ideas of church and I, and there's certain things I miss. I miss silly things like potlucks and old hymns, like really stereotypical traditional Southern things that I, that I miss, mm. you know, sweet old men with gum at the altar for some reason, like those <laughs> sort of things, you know? Um, but like, I never really felt like I belonged anyway. Huh. If I really think about it, it's mm. like, I always had these things I was always trying to fight against, you know. I was always having to justify my existence. I was having to justify to somebody that I have the right to be here. I have the right to do this as a woman. I have the right to be here as a per- as a blind person. I have the right to move through the world just like you do. Yeah. And consistently, it's really emotionally exhausting, I realize in hindsight, to to constantly have to do that in a place that you're not supposed to have to do that. I know. Right. Right. And so where does that leave you now? Like how, how does, how does, how does the, the having to go through all that and the, the disappointment that you feel or the, just the reality you find yourself in at, the, at this point, how does that all bear on your actual feelings towards the idea of God? You know, there's, there's a lot I, I still don't know, but I, I guess the, the one thing that I consistently think of is that it's not god that got it wrong we've just really fucked it up Mm. and so (laughs) like i i i just struggle to like maybe it's just not wanting to accept a responsibility for things i don't know but i i struggle with the idea that there is no god like i can't bring myself to that even if sometimes i want to Mm. i i just can't you know I know I, I'm I'm okay with like no hell, you know. I'm I'm okay, I'm okay with like figuring out what does the crucifixion mean. Then I'm a little more okay with some maybe universalism, but I just can't. The one thing I still have after all that is that somebody is there preserving me through this because I don't feel I feel. And you don't think that's you. <sighs> Like, I feel selfish to think it's me. Yeah. <laughs> like, but no, no, that, no, I, and I, I completely, you know? yeah, I, I do understand that. And, um, but do you think that, could it be that the root of that feeling selfish about that is in kind of a, a patriarchal, you know, religious construct is like that you, you couldn't possibly take credit for something like that. And I, I'm just saying, I don't know. Um, and I, cause I don't know really either way. I don't, um, but, and I, and I understand that instinct cause I feel that a lot. Yeah. Um, 
you know so I guess I just want to I want to feel like we are created beings with some sort of purpose Mm -hmm. and I I guess I don't want to feel like this is this is all there is right and maybe maybe if this is all there is then we better get fucking to it and like yeah kind of not 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 mess shit, not not mess shit up. Yeah, you know, really like take responsibility for yeah. stuff. So we don't get a we don't get a no take two. No, you know, right. Um, hmm. So there's some level of that, but I I guess I just I want I want it to be true. Yes, right. I still want it to be true. Yes, yeah. I, I that makes that makes sense, and I'm glad that you're fighting for that. I'm glad that you are. Um, cause it's a fight. It's a struggle to believe things in light of what seems to be evidence to the contrary. I mean, even if it's just things you observe about, um, things that the way things are, that are occur, the way things are occurring in the world. But like, if you're, if you're, if your root, if your problem really is not with the God who may be there, but it's with these other expressions and these other, um, ancillary things that have come from religion, whatever, cause it's just easier to throw your hands up and to just yeah. kind of leave it all. But it's harder to fight for the parts that still ring true. And I, that's what I hear you doing, and I, and which I appreciate. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear that. Like, um, cause that's the harder path. It's a hard path, you know, so. Anyway. It is sometimes. It's a little yeah. lonely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have been to heaven. So I, my last question really quick, I'm sorry I've kept you so long, is no, you're like, fine. and so have you found a place to practice that, that where you feel, no. no. I haven't, I haven't really looked though, like I think about it and I just get sort of overwhelmed so I, I don't do yeah. it. Yeah. Like I, I avoid the whole thing yeah. and I don't know if that's the healthiest approach, but so many things going on, like trying to figure out the rest of it, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so... I think I think about it sometimes. I have a, a toddler, hmm. and so as he gets older and more verbal and stuff, um, and my mom is still very Christian, hmm. uh, obviously, and a lot of my family is, and so she gets very sad and disappointed that when he doesn't seem to know things that I knew at three about the Bible and stuff, and hmm. uh, I sometimes feel disappointment in myself, like I should give him the opportunity to to choose. But, like, I don't want to set him up to fail either and just bring him somewhere that, like, is ultimately teaching him things that I don't believe. Right. And having him believe things about himself that aren't true. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah just knowing so it's that, like, what you know, do just I to do? tie up knots that you'll have to undo later. I mean, that's... Exactly. So yeah. I've... I sometimes think about it and I'm like, I, I know, I mean, I live in a pretty, I mean, I live in a very blue city. So mm-hmm. I could find, I could find some anywhere really that would fit whatever I decided, you know, whatever frame I wanted to put around it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm sure it's there. I just don't know if like, I don't know if I can do that hmm. again. 
to myself. I I want, I miss the community aspect, like the built-in community. And and I haven't really found a a church replacement. I found other things to fill my time with, but I haven't really found something that feels like church. And maybe that's good, you know, ultimately, but I, I still, I still miss it. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so absolutely. If you, find, if you find one, let me know. <laughs> My Skype works now, so like you can Right. Well, <laughs> and I mean, I yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm, I'm finding it in pieces and I'm assembling them on my own. But I, I don't know that there's going to be one spot any more than one, any more than a, you know, for instance, the, you know, any more than a spouse, as an example, is is meant to literally bear the full weight of your entire identity and affection, yeah. like and story. Like you, it's the healthiest versions are when you have groups of safe people with whom you can do that. And and um, you know, I don't, I'm not sure that there's going to be one spot that's going to fulfill all that, all those needs. And I, and so I, I'm, you know, I feel like I have had to kind of assemble it in pieces and, and that's okay. You know, it's because I think the, I think what's hard about having been in the church for a long time is it sells you on the idea that there is going to be a place where all this, you know, it's like a restaurant that has every genre, every kind of food that you've ever, it's like, you're just going to have to go to different places to get the various things you're going to need at different times. There's not going to be one. And I think that church as an institution, as an idea, kind of represents that there could just be this place where you just, all of that fulfillment and all that community and all that is, is going to be rooted in one place. And, I, and I'm, I'm not sure it is. I don't, I don't know that. I think I'm kind of like done putting that kind of pressure on one thing to do all that for me. I think it's going to have to be... A handful of things and I think that's okay so anyway well I hope you find it and I and uh, one way or the other and uh, yeah but uh, and, and rest assured that in in lieu of that and in the meantime and and beyond it even you know you're certainly part of and welcome in our little uh, on the island of misfit toys you know that is our community here <laughs> you know like the those of us who are recongregating around the questions we have yeah, that is a fascinating thing. I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't have language for that. Like deconstruction and reconstruction uh, wasn't a thing. And then I saw the podcast, yeah. well, well, your record, and then the podcast, yeah. and I was like, wow. Well, I've been okay, very comforted. So I'm not the only one in the. That's exactly <laughs> right. It's not the going through it that's hard. It's the feeling alone and isolated, you know, and and abandoned. Yeah. Um, not the actual going through any of those Absolutely. things. And so, so it's been very comforting for me. And I mean, I have really loved every minute of this and, and certainly of our conversation. So thank you again for like sharing your story and thank you for, you know, all the hoops you had to jump through to, to make oh, this work. No, I'm sorry. It wasn't I'm easier sorry that I didn't do it yesterday. I was like, I have Not Skype on my computer. It'll be fine. <laughs> Not at all. No, no. It, well, it was a pleasure to get to talk to you. And, and I hope, and I hope we, I hope we talk again and, and we can, share what we've discovered but um for now you know peace and i hope uh i hope we talk again me too good luck all right thanks you too we'll see ya bye bye thanks so much for joining us for another episode especially in our times of loneliness and even feelings of abandonment when 
we're in between chosen communities or have a hard time recognizing which relationships are even sacred to us. This forum has brought so many of us together with intentionality and empathy and trust. It's a point of connection for those who write and who call and who listen. So thank you all for being with us to make that happen. Make sure you continue to share the podcast with those you encounter who need to hear these conversations and who need to know that this same space is being held for them. For more, you can check us out at theairingofgrief.com. We are, of course, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and you can also help support the podcast at patreon.com slash theairingofgrief. Once the season winds down officially, we'll continue to release bonus content and calls to our patrons there. We so appreciate all of you guys. Thanks for listening and engaging and being with us in all of this. And that's all for now, but we will see you next week after church for the airing of grief. Thank you.